morning and welcome to another Work Human Radio special edition. My name is Mike Wood. I am your host. And today, Steve Pemberton is going to be talking to Douglas Mason, who is a scientist at Zaptometrics, and he's working on testing kits. So if you want to hear from someone who is on the front lines of testing, please tune in to this interview with Doug Mason and Steve Pemberton. Hi, everybody. It's Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at WorkHuman. And today for our Keeping Work Human series, I'm joined by a very special guest, Doug Mason, one of the scientific group directors whose company is producing a non-infection version of the COVID-19 coronavirus that can be used for testing and research. Doug works for Zeptometrics, which is based in Buffalo, with offices in Franklin, Massachusetts. Thanks for taking the time to join me today, Doug. How are you? Uh, very well. My pleasure to join you. How are you doing? Uh, doing well, but but I really mean that. Like, how how you how you doing more personally? Uh, how's the family and? Um, oh, everything. You know, we're all hanging in there. Um, all healthy. Um, you know, the kids are getting antsy, but um, they're uh, learning to deal with it for now. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, 15, uh sorry, sixteen and thirteen. Ah, uh, yes, yes. So. Cabin fever has definitely set in. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. They've <laughs> yeah. Been off for, this is the fourth week at home uh, from school. Yeah. So yeah. they're doing remote learning, and supposedly their spring break has been taken away from them, but I think some of the teachers are going to stick to the spring break and at least lighten the load, uh, which is next week. So. Yeah, yeah. The adjustment that we're all making, and, you know, no doubt uh, you're, you're making one of them as well. Uh, uh, I, I wonder in, in the last several weeks here if you've had at, um, a, any single moment where you thought back to um, getting your PhD at John Hopkins and uh, uh, finding yourself on the front lines of the biggest story of our, of our lifetime. Have you had that kind of moment to think back and reflect yet, or are you just on the pace? Well, maybe not during this time, but uh, in general, working at uh, Zeptometrics, uh, I can reach back on my training. Um, we had during part of our training, we had an oral exam where you're getting, uh, six professors are firing away with questions, uh, testing your knowledge, uh, the depth and breadth of knowledge. And what it's teaching you is to think on your feet and, um, make adjustments. So one of the things we do, uh, in the, in the laboratory is many times when you're running experiments and something could go wrong, you got to know exactly and quickly to fix the problem, you can rescue your experiment or even rescue a production of a product. So it's uh, important to think quickly on your feet. Yeah. So how long have you been at Zeptometrics? And can you tell us a little bit about your specific role? Right. So I'll, I've been here at the company for just over 15 years. And if I could just maybe give a little background on the company, and then I'll talk about my uh, specific role and uh, role with uh, coronavirus uh, causing the COVID-19. So we're primarily an infectious disease company and provide uh, infectious disease related products. And what allows us to do that is we have a uh, two level three containment labs. This allows us to grow, safely grow viruses such as HIV, influenza, Zika, and now the new uh, novel coronavirus to large scales. Uh, we provide material to diagnostic companies for assay development. So the, the test makers uh, of the tests that are being used right now. Um, we also um, are able to inactivate the virus. So in short, we, we grow the virus, 
uh, safely and activate it, rendering it uh, safe to use outside our containment lab or in a hospital setting, let's say. Uh, it's also intact and stable at uh, refrigerated temperatures. And these, what they call molecular controls, are important to the hospitals and testing labs uh, so that they're making sure that they're doing their testing correctly. Uh, there's always new batches of reagents, new equipment, new technicians that have to run the test. So they got to make sure that everything is working properly before you start running the samples from the patients. Uh, you don't want false negatives and sending people out there that actually are infected. Right. Um, so in general, that's what the company uh, does. Uh, my group, uh, I direct our amino assay group. Uh, I oversee the manufacturing development of immunological test kits and reagents provided mainly to university researchers and, and other manufacturers. Um, and as far as the coronavirus, uh, now you or your audience might know or remember the SARS outbreak from 17 years ago. Sure. Um, so that uh, virus was easily contained uh, because of the symptoms were, when you had symptoms, you were spreading it. So it was easily contained. And now this is uh, obviously a different story. But what, what we're working on is uh, controls for a different type of test, which is called a serological test. So the test now that probably most are being done is to detect the virus. But the serological test is going to detect the antibodies to the virus. Uh, that will allow you to reveal who's been exposed to the virus and who may have now immunity, which is important, especially for the health professionals so they know who they feel comfortable sending back in there. Uh, to treat the patients. So manufacturers are coming out with these serological tests and we're working on uh, essentially antibody controls um, for these tests. So we're working with um, other companies and uh, designing and hopefully it will come out with them soon. Wow. You said something there that I want to want to clarify because I, I think it, it, it seems to be contributing to the spread and it's that in essence, the coronavirus, unlike others, does not really announce itself. Uh, so you could actually be carrying it but not be symptomatic and subsequently spreading it. Is that what makes it different? I don't know. I think that's why it's able to spread quickly. Mm -hmm. um, it's, and I, we don't know the details yet. Uh, you know, it's speculating it could be younger people aren't. Um, showing the symptoms as much as older people and younger people socialize more and yeah. there you go. It yeah. flies around unnoticed before and it's too late. And so to what degree is that this, you know, cause that's how in essence, uh, you know, it, it learned, you know, from uh, SARS perhaps as a, as a virus that it, it learned to kind of disguise itself, you know, in essence. So to what degree is that a reflection of, you know, a major shift in how viruses uh, actually infect us? At, are we looking at the beginning of a, a, of a, what will be a strain that doesn't announce itself? And so we're carrying it and infecting people without knowing it? Um, it it's hard to say that that's um, maybe like a trend of what's happening. I mean, usually these things are, viruses are accidents. Um, okay. They are in all beings, um, mammals, you know, insects. And let's say for this one, we know it's coming from a, a, a mammal. Uh, you know, we think origin, originating in bats. But what happens is the, if you come and encounter with that animal, 
during the course of replication of the virus, there are many uh, sometimes mutations made. Mm. And they're just accidental. It's just the, the nature of replication. And all it takes is the right combination to now fit all these rules. Okay, I'm going to infect people now because I have a change. And then um, also maybe not infect everyone. And then that's going to cause it to spread more. So it's nothing intentional by the virus. It's just all accidental. Mm. And it's just the consequence. And we just unfortunately stumbled across this combination. Mm. And it certainly can happen in the future with other viruses. It, it's just going to be the luck of the draw. Yeah. So to what degree, and this is often asked, you see it being asked daily, you know, kind of when did you see this coming and the, in particular, but for you, uh, you know, that, this, that question takes on a completely different context because this is your life's work. Uh, sure. So sure. when, when um, was, the, was there this possibility that, hey, this is going to be something different? Was there a moment or was this just an evolution of, uh, of the study that, uh, that began maybe at John Hopkins and continued on? Um, it's, I mean, as far as it being different, um, you know, for all of us, I think it's not, it was nothing different that we did here at the, the company. I mean, what was different is when we were learning from Italy and even in China what was happening. Uh, there was an increased uh, uh, mortality rate, obviously, and we were trying to try to get around this swell and needing for people to go to the hospital. As far as, you know, as for the company's point of view, well, we, we do this all the time. We do. We are aware of emerging viruses, and there was Zika and Ebola, and um, either we take it upon ourselves or our customers come to us with, hey, do you have this? Can you make this? And so for this particular virus, we, we knew what was going on in China. And it was about the end of January, we uh, tried to source the virus so we could grow it and begin working on our products. Uh, it was funny, um, not that it was funny, but interesting that I was on a family vacation in mid-February. Um, you know, we kind of knew a little bit about what was going on at that time and getting more serious. But when I came back to work the first day, I could sense the change in urgency at the company. We have now reprioritized our projects. Our group meetings all of a sudden were just solely focused on, okay, what are we going to do uh, related to the coronavirus? Yeah. And had to, you know, essentially starting to shift our, our own resources to even meet the demand of our customers. And that has just continued ever since. Um, we're still shuffling around. Doug, so how, how do we, uh, you know, kind of break through what so often seems to be a challenge societally about taking something like this seriously. Uh, you know, we, we've heard over and over again that from a multiplicity of voices, well, nobody saw this coming. Well, that's not true, right? There, there were Time Magazine covers and several movies from contagion to pandemic. You know, this idea that, you know, we didn't see it coming is not borne out in any reality. Um, that's not the issue. The issue was taking it serious. So, you know, at, so you're pre, pre-COVID or even pre-SARS, kind of immersed in this world. Um, you know, what, what are the things that we can do or should be doing to awaken the broader public to the power that viruses have in that? Are you talking about physical distancing or a gradual return, um, you know, to work? 
you know, how, how do you break through that, that the, the kind of the chicken littles of the world to say you're just saying the sky is falling? That's a difficult uh, answer to that question. Um, it's, uh, it, it's unfortunately, it might be, you know, if there's more uh, fatalities, it doesn't sink in. Um, I mean, that's what's really happened to us here in the United States. I mean, like I said, there's all these other threats before with Ebola and, and Zika, and that never happened. So we, I feel like you, you hear this on the news all the time in the past, and you just, well, it never happened here. So no one thinks it's really going to happen. And unfortunately, it's happening. Uh, now, it's not as bad, I think, as it might sound. It's not that it's not bad, but it could be worse. I mean, Ebola is certainly deadlier. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But how do we change the, the attitude? It's tough. Um, I know researchers in the, in the research community are saying they, they need more funding. We should be studying more. We could have been studying the original SARS virus. And if we had a much more complete of that virus, we would be easy, maybe more easily transition to solutions to this one because they are quite related. Um, and so that's the argument that I do hear out there is that there should have been more funding research which there really hasn't been when you look at the the whole picture so basic research is solution but it's tough to convince the public that that's required when there's so many other issues to spend the money on well that that seems to be exactly what happened you know the um uh george bush um several years ago uh, made pandemics a particular focus uh, uh, and then it began to fall off you know, because of prioritization or perceived prioritization, uh, Bill Gates, uh, you know, I mean, there are a lot of voices out there saying this is the, you know, it's the virus, not the missile. That's the threat to, to mankind. And um, that's going to be one of the lessons that we've, we've learned uh, that will come out of this, uh, uh, that we're going to be taking these a lot more seriously uh, in the future. How, how do you think we'll, we'll, we'll come out of this? I mean, you know, we're at a, you know, we hear daily conversations about apexes, flattening the curves, which side of the curve are you on? Um, what, what's your sense of, of that? Based on from what I understand, uh, we have to have a vaccine. I think if we can vaccinate everyone, then that minimizes the threat, certainly. But that's not going to be for a while. So we have to reduce the anxiety. We have to do that by solutions in treating the people in the hospitals. If we can, you know, not have, you know, two to three percent of people dying and get that down to as low as we can, then that's going to take the anxiety out and let us return to our what we the pre-COVID, you know, times. But I, it might be a while, and I think these uh, social distancing policies have to continue for a while until we get it under control until you can feel that, okay, if I do get it, I'll just get sick. And if I do have to go to the hospital, they'll be able to treat me mm. and turn it, get you out fast. Right. So they're working on it um, and it's going to take a little time, but from what I hear, there's some promising leads on treatments and all different area, you know, strategies. So from a timing standpoint, you know, vaccine, even on its most accelerated pace, 12 to 18 months. Right. Um, so the treatment you're referring to specifically is more that when you, when you do uh, test positive and how you're being treated uh, immediately, um, you know, uh, it, that is a world beyond the ventilators. Clearly, you know, you're in some difficulty when a ventilator is required. Right. Um, 
you know, so you got to prevent that from happening or reduce the time. And if we can, you know, obviously prevent deaths, everyone's anxiety will go down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how is this uh, impacted, um, you know, you professionally and, and the company? You described coming back from vacation and we've all been in environments where something's happening in the company and you just feel this renewed urgency is is that what's happening at uh, Zeptometrics? I believe so. I mean, everyone knows and understands our role in all this. Um, so, you know, and we had, as far as the impact, you know, we're, we have to practice the social distancing. So we have to juggle, you know, not only the project priorities, but we have to juggle our, our sort of the way we interact with each other. Um, but I think, you know, everyone's on, on board and uh, we're going to, everyone's working hard to uh, supply our products. So mm. the next part of the chain can do their thing. Mm. You know, the, the other question I had is, is uh, you know, this being, you know, your life's work and all of a sudden much of the world is kind of focused now on, on a lot of different categories of people, right? Uh, new appreciation for the nurse, uh, uh, for, you know, the frontline worker, retail workers, these people who often we've sometimes overlooked in all candor. Um, and you, um, you know, certainly as a scientist could very much have continued on this path and all of a sudden you know, you and many uh, in your field are going to be at the forefront of this for a really, really long time uh, to come. Um, how does that, how does that make you feel uh, in, in in the context of the validation? And I know this is not the way you wanted your work to be validated, like at all. Nobody wants that, um, uh, right? But but at the same time, there is this heightened connection to humanity that your field, uh, you know, uh, represents. And again, I know you're. You and, and your colleagues are just on this blur, right? Of, of uh, uh, but, but is uh, are there's moments like, hey, there's part of me, and I don't think it's overstating. Say, work we're doing saving humanity. Um, is, is that am I exaggerating that? Uh, no, it's true, and I mean, I know we've been doing it all the time. I mean, we have uh, several products uh, for HIV diagnostics, and we always know, have known, um, you know, that was so important. Um, but now. We, we, we always knew it was important, and now, yeah, we definitely feel it, and it, it's right there in front of us, uh, what we're doing. There's no having to explain it. You know, here's how it connects. I think everyone clearly understands that now, and, uh, you know, it, it, obviously, it's always satisfying, satisfying to be part of the solution and, and actually doing it. And as a, you know, as a, as a person, uh, less, less as a scientist, um, uh, do you think you're going to come out of this, uh, you know, wiser, stronger? Um, I mean, yeah, whenever there's hardship, you are going to be stronger once you get through it. Um, you know, this learning on, we're adjusting at home on our, our new routine. So uh, when I guess really the, it's going to be an experience. And whenever there's similar situation, whether it's another pandemic or like even it's a shortage in some particular item, whether it's power or no no water, you know, you, you learn to deal um, and find solutions and, and get by. Yeah. What are the things, uh, lastly, what are the things that we can do in our individual actions to help uh, mitigate uh, the, the spread? What can each of us do? This be, um, I mean, I always uh, compare it to what's called the sterile technique that we use in the lab. Um, just try to 
And if you don't know how safe that surface was, um, you know, wash your hands. Never take any chances uh, if you're uncertain. Obviously, around people, you got to keep a little bit more of a distance. Maybe not have your faces facing each other. You know, uh, turn your head. Maybe if you're past and you feel like someone's a little bit too close, uh, so you don't uh, have a chance of breathing in their air droplets or not their, their droplets from breathing or whatnot. Um, that's the, the way I see it. Yeah, I, I think that we're going to be in for some new uh, uh, ways of greeting, you know, Definitely. right? Uh, you'll see far less handshakes, so we shouldn't take offense to that. And I can see everything from, you know, <laughs> salutes yep. uh, to, you know, different cultures and the way in which they acknowledge. Um, uh, yeah, know, we have to. There's no, you just cannot take a chance at this time. Yeah, yeah. The uh, even it depends on it. So. Yeah, I think many of us may be uh, adopting some of the ways in uh, which you know um, uh, those who are hearing impaired use you know their physical hands to communicate. You know, at, at times uh, this is applause, for example. I think we're going to see a lot of those kinds of things going going forward. Well, I really want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're you're busy uh, in quite literally. Uh, in the labs and on the front lines, you and the good folks at Zeptometric. So, uh, and, and thanks for informing us, uh, you know, as well and placing some historical context on this and uh, and the way forward. So, uh, from our family uh, to your, your family, uh, thanks for everything that you're doing. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure being with you today. Doug, it was really great chatting with you. We appreciate you and your colleagues who we know are tirelessly working on solutions to combat COVID 19, both today. Uh, and whatever the future might hold in the way of battling viruses. So thanks again for taking your time to join us. And to our audience, as always, stay healthy, stay well, take care of your families, and I'll see you tomorrow.